Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi there, and welcome to the Explaining History podcast. Um, today I'm going to talk a little bit about the Amritsar Massacre um, of 1919, um, and look at the historical roots of the massacre, and trying to kind of look at it within the context of the declining fortunes of the British Empire post-World War I. Um, for those of you who um, perhaps haven't studied India before, the Amritsar massacre is typically seen by most historians as a general consensus that it was a disaster um, upon which um, the fortunes of India for the next four or five decades hinged. The popularity of the independence movement in India suddenly uh, became immensely more uh, deep-rooted and profound and widespread and the legitimacy of the British in India as a result of the Amritsar massacre really crumbles. Um, the 1920s and 1930s see a huge upsurge in civil disobedience, which um, had been practised uh, up until this point by the likes of Gandhi, primarily in uh, British South Africa, um, and Gandhi himself really, up until up to 1919, remains something of a uh, kind of a, a peripheral figure and um, really becomes uh, centre stage after the Amritsar massacre. So what actually happens? Well, on the 13th of April 1919 at the Jallianwala Bagh, a large public space uh, in uh, Amritsar, protesters gathered and uh, protested against the um, the arrest under uh, martial law conditions of two uh, leading local uh, political dignitaries. The disastrous um, geography in which the uh, protesters were confined was that the, um, the Jallianwala Bagh was uh, lined by high walls on uh, all sides, so that meant that um, it was impossible for the crowd to disperse. General Dyer, a uh, British officer who had been very recently drafted into the area by the um, Lieutenant Governor of the uh, Punjab, uh, Michael O'Dwyer, um, 
decided that it was time to act on initiative and to disperse the crowds uh, using uh, live rounds and he marched a company of Gurkhas into the Bagh and they fired on the uh, fired on the protesters. The conservative estimate for deaths is about 320. Um, some argue that the, the number of casualties was higher, is um, over 500. Certainly um, it was uh, 10 minutes of live firing and had um, Dyer been able to drive an armoured car uh, into the Jallianwala Bagh the carnage would have been uh, far greater as these were obviously mounted with uh, Lewis machine guns. Now one of the things that the Amritsar massacre tells us is that the British uh, white colonial class in India lived in a state of conscious unease and anxiety and fear since the uh, mutiny of 1857. After 1857, generally attitudes towards the native Indians had really hardened among the British and there were um, all sorts of um, memories of uh, violence, particularly violence towards women, um, some of it uh, true, some of it exaggerated um, from, uh, from, from native Indians. And so there was a, a long history of, of anxieties um, and one of the, perhaps, causes of the Amritsar massacre is this legacy, is this, is this historical memory that of the, um, the Indian masses as being a, kind of a, a dangerous, um, frightening and, and uncontrolled force when uh, law and order is starting to break down. At the end of World War I, there are serious threats to law and order in uh, India, um, the Indian Army has been an enormous force um, fighting on behalf of the British Empire throughout the war, fighting in Mesopotamia, fighting in Palestine and fighting in uh, North Africa in Egypt, also at uh, Gallipoli, and there were even Indian soldiers on the Western Front. So the contribution that uh, Indian soldiers make to the British war effort is huge, and their rewards are pretty, uh, uh, pretty derisory, um, which we'll come on to in a little while. What happened to um, Indian perceptions of themselves and the British during the war was that they were quite transformed. The idea that the, the uh, that was uh, popularly propagated by the British Empire was that the uh, ordinary Indians were fairly kind of uh, weak and servile and uh, poorly organised and unable to um, really organise their own affairs without a, uh, a wise paternal white colonial administrator um, or to um, organise themselves into a kind of a, a uh, dedicated military force. The fact that the British are, are quite vulnerable during the war and their weaknesses are displayed um, and that the uh, Army of India is relied upon really to help Britain win the war means that in the post-war era there is a, a clear shift in um, attitudes and a clear shift in um, understandings about where the power actually lies. So India, uh, after 1918, is a much, much different place. It is uh, a far more difficult country to govern and needs to be done with sophistication and skill, which predictably uh, fails to materialise. The war had seen um, also 
a large-scale anti-colonial conspiracy. Um, the Gadar Party of Punjab, um, a largely socialist and nationalist um, independence party, had conspired um, with the Germans and with Irish nationalists as well to uh, foment an uprising similar to the uh, Indian Mutiny of 1857 throughout the British em- the uh, British uh, Empire in India during the First World War. The um, Gaddists were under the scrutiny of um, the British intelligence and um, in 1915 not only did they help foment a um, mutiny in Singapore, which is um, violently put down by Indian troops, but also they, the um, a majority of the Gardis conspiracies who are were returning from the United States were um, arrested at uh, Budge Bridge in India, um, of which 40 or so of them were uh, sentenced to death for treason and executed. So there was a, an acute um, anxiety about uh, mutiny and about um, treason throughout India during the First World War. Much of this is mischief fomented by the, um, uh, by the Germans um, who used the battlecruiser Emden to shell cities across India, uh, coastal cities, um, and uh, to to really kind of announce their presence as a military power in the uh, in the Indian Ocean, and hopefully to kind of foment some kind of revolt. This is a, a tried and tested strategy throughout the First World War. The British um, foment the Arab Revolt using T. E. Lawrence um, from 1916 onwards, and obviously the Germans uh, go for broke and help uh, Lenin return to uh, Russia in 1917 to uh, undermine the provisional government and withdraw the uh, Soviet, the uh, Russian army from the war. The, speaking of Russia, in point of fact, the uh, development of the Russian Revolution in 1917, at first, when it looks like it is kind of a, uh, uh, a liberal democratic revolution with a provisional government, is quite well uh, received by the British government, but the uh, October Revolution in 1917 spells all sorts of problems for the British, particularly with regard to India. Um, Lenin had um, some uh, some interest in India, not a great deal, to be honest, but some. Um, he but he looked upon um, imperialism, as he said, as the you know the highest form of capitalism. And he, um, in some of his writings in 1917, 1918, encourages India uh, to mutiny. Um, the fact that there is um, this now internationalist um, organisation, this, this internationalist revolutionary creed, which is uh, fermenting revolt in Europe and in Asia, is seen as a kind of a, a real threat to the British Empire. And again, it leads to certain figures, people such as Dyer, um, uh, acting in a climate of suspicion, panic, anxiety, 
um, and creates the tensions, creates the um, possibility for catastrophe occurring after the war. So in 1918, um, over 40,000 Indian soldiers had died fighting for the British. Uh, some at places like Kut Alamara in Mesopotamia had died as a result, really, of British, complete British incompetence. And the um, influenza pandemic, which uh, also affects India, as it does the rest of the world, in 1918, plus high post-war taxes, and a refusal to grant to Indians the uh, the basic here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs coming off their parents plan or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Rights of self-determination that were being... um, meted out or at least explored or at least discussed um, by uh, presidents, uh, figures such as Woodrow Wilson at the Paris Peace Conference really start to um, engender uh, angry anti-British feelings. Uh, the British are often tolerated in India, uh, but in uh, the aftermath of the First World War, the um, radical polarising effect that the First World War has on pretty much every European country can clearly be seen to be having the similar sorts of effects in Asia. Now, if you go back a few podcasts and listen to my podcast on China in the First World War, you'll uh, see that there are similar sorts of pressures occurring, particularly with the uh, May the 4th demonstrations of 1919. So a month before the massacre, the Rowlett Act is passed and the full title of the Rowlett Act is the Anarchical and Revolutionary Crimes Act, 1919. Uh, and this was a, a passed by the Imperial Legislative Council in India. And it's essentially um, an Emergency Powers Act. And it was a continuation of the Defence of India Regulations Act, which had uh, dominated India throughout the war and was roughly equivalent to Britain's Defence of the Realm Act during the, the First World War. Um, the government... Um, of India was able to make the similar kinds of foolish mistakes that uh, the British colonial administration in Ireland made 
after 1918, um, imprisonment without trial, internment, which um, there hasn't really been an example of that working effectively so far, and the um, uh, results really of the rail attack is a, a huge backlash, um, and from April the 6th onwards, um, a essentially a general strike takes place, a heart owl, um, where all businesses are uh, stopped uh, in protest against uh, the um, the act. Um, so as we get close to the fatal day in April um, 1919, what we can see is that um, the pressure of the war and British uh, mismanagement of the post-war situation, the misreading of the kind of post-war climate, is really one of the long-term um, contributory factors to the massacre taking place. So if for a moment we can look through the eyes of not just General Dyer, but a whole range of uh, other British officers in India, when they looked upon uh, the uh, gathering in Amritsar, um, they saw revolution, they saw trouble, and um, they saw um, the opportunity uh, to uh, deal this, what they believed to be uh, a potential revolution, a, uh, a killing blow. Um, for some reason, the thinking of Dyer, um, and he was acting on his own initiative, there were no directives from uh, above ordering him to behave in this way, but his general thinking was that um, if he could deal um, a, uh, a sound battering to the protesters, it would somehow take the sting out of um, the, 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 re the revolutionary tensions. Um, and these are all based on a series of probably quite racist assumptions that um, the, the, the common Indian needed a clip around the ear and really he would go back and find his, his place at the bottom of the heap. Um, and, and this and Dyer felt himself the man to deliver it. On April the 11th, uh, an English school teacher, uh, Marcella Sherwood, is accosted uh, in the streets by Indian protesters. What happens to her is a matter of, um, of debate uh, in Dyer's eyes. It was a case of uh, attempted murder. She's dragged off her, her bicycle, and beaten and kicked and left for dead. Um, Dyer blames the entire Indian community uh, in Amritsar for this. What he neglects to realise is that it was local Indians who saved her life. Um, and he believed that um, a punishment was in order. So the massacre itself born of these uh, British anxieties. is also a highly personalised attack by Dyer, uh, coming from very personal motives. Um, Dyer was um, known to be uh, an extreme maverick. Um, he was uh, reported by um, his colleagues at the Staff College uh, as being the kind of man who was only happy when crawling over a Burmese stockade with a revolver in his mouth. So this is a, um, a, a, a an Anglo-Indian um, establishment figure who has fought in India's wars and has grown up steeped really in the folklore of the, the mutiny. Um, Dyer is, in every conceivable way, the worst possible man to be dealing with revolutionary upheavals in India in 1919. 
protests um, throughout this period are happening across Punjab and across India as well. In uh, the British have to bomb Lahore into uh, submission. But there are attacks on railway lines, the cutting of telegraph cables and uh, other uh, violent attacks um, across, particularly across the, the Punjab region, which is seen as the most um, troublesome and uh, revolutionary part of, uh, of India. Dyer um, decides, as, as we've discussed, to um, strike a blow for what he sees as English decency. And when he uh, decides to attack at the Jallianwala Bagh, um, he um, is acting of his own volition. The commission of inquiry that takes place after the uh, Amritsar massacre uh, also does huge amounts of damage to Britain's standing in India. It is seen largely as a whitewash. Dyer is exonerated, and Dyer... Um, has martial law imposed on uh, the Punjab following the uh, following the massacre? He claims that he was confronted by revolutionary forces, and um, he is seen as a man who's acted on his initiative. Winston Churchill, to his credit, actually took a very different line. He referred to the uh, referred to the event as monstrous, uh, as did um, Asquith. Um, Churchill said the, the crowd was unarmed except with bludgeons it was not attacking anybody or anything when fire had been opened up uh, on it to disperse it it tried to run away pinned in a narrow place considerably smaller than Trafalgar Square with hardly any exits and packed together so that one bullet would drive through three or four bodies the people ran madly this way or the other when fire was directed upon the centre they ran to the sides the fire was then directed to the sides, many threw themselves down on the ground. The fire was then directed down on the ground. This was continued to eight to ten minutes, and it stopped only when the ammunition had reached the point of exhaustion. In October 1919, the Hunter Commission met. It was um, held uh, as a result of uh, the orders of Edmund Montague, who was the Secretary of State for India, and it was held really because the issue about the Amritsar massacre was not going to go away. Um, Dyer was called in November that year to meet, uh, to uh, answer to the commission, um, and he essentially said that um, if he had been able to, he would have got the armoured car in, uh, and the casualties would have been much, much higher. He said really it was not his job to deal with the wounded, and the reason for the um, the attack on the Jallianwala Bagh was that it was to, to teach the Indians a lesson. Um, the committee in 1920 said that in continuing firing as long as he did, it appears to us that General Dyer committed the grave error, um, that there was no notice to disperse, um, there was too much too much firing, the length of it went, went on for too long, um, and the... Um, Dyer's um, uh, reasons um, when, uh, were kind of risible um, and he had overstepped the boundaries of authority so he had no right to do what he had, he had done. There were there was no, uh, no orders from on, on high. One of the very ugly uh, reactions to the, the Hunter Commission is the widespread support that Dyer receives not only from the British press but from the British general public as well. 
the um, view that um, the uh, British were under threat in India, and that the the British really are that are um, the, the kind of the British colonialists are in some way the victims here, victims of um, the dangerous and uncontrolled Indian masses. Um, who are um, disloyal to the empire. All these ideas are filtering around Britain um, in 1919, 1920, and they are repeated quite regularly in the popular press. And again, this has a feedback effect on um, uh, on India and Indian politics, in that uh, Indian politicians are uh, and independence campaigners are quite aware of what's being said in Britain, and their sense that eventually they will get home rule for India or other political concessions by asking nicely, these are these are um, dispelled by the reaction of large sections of the British public. Okay, well, I hope that was uh, useful, interesting, informative, and the rest. Um, we've got some uh, stuff coming up to let you know about. Um, the next Explaining History title, um, in International Relations, no 1870 to 1914, Student's Guide, that's going to be out um, in the next week or two, and I'll be doing another great, super generous Explaining History giveaway next week uh, when, I, uh, into, when I review um, a historical account of the Siege of Leningrad. So uh, tune in for that one, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.